Sport Calgary is the voice of over 300 sports organizations in the Calgary area. Share your voice and become a Sport Calgary member for free at sportcalgary.ca slash members. On all Calgary Flames games days, home and away, you can participate in the Calgary Flames Foundation 50-50 draws online. Go to www.calgaryflames.com slash 50-50 to purchase your raffle tickets and watch the jackpot grow every Flames game day. Tickets are available from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Funds are directed to Southern Alberta charities, including the Calgary Flames Sports Bank and Flames Even Strength Program. Let's get into the game and support the Calgary Flames Foundation. Chance to win big. And the winner could be you. Must be over 18 and in Alberta to purchase. License number 570062. Sport Calgary presents the Face First Podcast with your hosts Alicia Rissling and Grace Defoe. And here they are sliding right on in, Grace and Alicia. Welcome back to the Face First Podcast. My name is Grace Defoe. And I'm Alicia Riz Rizling. And we are here with uh, Carson Ackroyd today. Carson is a Senior Vice President of Sales with Tourism Calgary. He leads a team uh, responsible for attracting sport in major cultural events in the city, as well as meetings and conventions. Uh, he was on the 2009 Great Cup Committee and recently on the 2019 Great Cup Committee. And he has also recently worked with uh, Sport Tourism Canada's National COVID Recovery Strategy. Welcome to the Face First Podcast, Carson. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, uh, really happy to be here. Thank you. So maybe we could just start by you um, telling us a little bit more about your role and uh, what kind of events you've been responsible for since you've uh, joined Tourism Calgary. Yeah, well, Tourism Calgary, the team, I lead the sales team at Tourism Calgary, and and we have really two two primarily business lines, um, the the meetings and convention side and then the sports side. And, And as we uh, our sports team, um, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging process to try and bring events to Calgary. And our team is there to, uh, to support groups that are evaluating different cities across the country on where they want to bring events. And so <clears throat> we evaluate what, what the different events could offer to a city in terms of how much they're spending. It's all designed, our work is all designed to drive visitors to Calgary from a sport tourism perspective. So when they decide to come to, to look at cities, we evaluate their budgets and their expenditures to see, uh, and we have a tool that can measure the overall economic impact an event's going to have on Calgary. And with that, uh, we have some budget on the work we do through the city and through the um, destination marketing fund that the hotel association provides to Tourism Calgary and invest in certain events to help bring them here. So in 2019, before the pandemic hit, we had a particularly big year where we not only hosted the Grey Cup in Calgary, but also the Canadian Country Music Awards. So those would be examples of some very major events that, that we were able to secure for the city. Amazing. And as a person who is at both those events, uh, I really appreciate the work you do in making our city and putting it on the map, making it so awesome. Um, so... We could go so many different ways with this direction, but uh, most notably recently, we had um, an announcement that the city of Calgary is going to host not just the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, but six curling events um, in a bubble. Maybe talk a little bit about that, how you guys came to to grab all six of them and uh, what the schedule is going to look like for the next couple weeks. 
Yeah, we should. It's, it's uh, appreciate that. It's it's a. It has been very challenging um, when when COVID when when the pandemic hit. Um, as you might imagine, the most of most of our time in the first few months was really spent around working with our with our clients to cancel events, and and nobody nobody was running anything. And and I think the first you know glimmer of hope was was watching what the NBA and the NHL had done with their bubbles. And of course, Edmonton was was selected for the NHL bubble. And so what we did as a team is we started reaching out to various national sport organizations and some of our key clients who we thought could potentially be interested in in bringing a bubble style event to Calgary. Was that you know there wasn't a whole lot of business for us to pursue, but we wanted to figure out which sports could have a real chance of operating during a pandemic. So about eight months ago, just over eight months ago, we reached out to Curling Canada and, uh, and started a dialogue. And, and eight months is, is how long it took from the time we first reached out to, to the Scotty starting last Friday in Calgary. And, and it's, um, it has never been more complicated to get a sports event off the ground than what it is today. And, and it's because of the incredible number of steps that have to be taken uh, not the least of which is developing a very comprehensive health plan um, that proves that you can keep, you know, keep your core group in that bubble separate from everybody else. How do they transport back and forth? Um, how are they going to be tested? How can you confirm? And what what would happen if somebody tests positive? So you have to build out an entire protocol and plan. And once you've done that, you need to connect in with Alberta Health to get approval and feedback from them then to Alberta Health Services to get approval and, and uh, from them. And then if you've got an international event where you're bringing people in from outside the country, you need a national exemption letter. And then you've got to get approval from the Public Health Agency of Canada and, uh, and then work through Sports Canada to get that exemption. And at each of those stages, you're, you're getting pulled in a number of different directions. So, you know, I would tell you that, that it, it takes... It takes a sport partner that is very adaptable because not only do they need to know their sport, but then they have to become a health expert and to put these plans together and how they're going to execute them. And, and I must uh, give tremendous amounts of credit to Curling Canada uh, for how good a job they did on putting their plan together. No kidding. So one out of six out of the way now. The next one's starting uh, right away. The Briar's next, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it'll go, it'll go the, uh, the Scotties and then the Briar, and then it'll go the mixed Canadian championships, which is now mm -hmm. an Olympic sport. And then mm -hmm. it will go to the men's world championships. And then on the back end, there's two grand slam of curling events, uh, back to back. Okay. So those uh, ones are going to be individual, sorry, international, correct? Those are going to be international. So you will have, you will have, uh, some of those men's teams already in the bubble from the men's world championships mm -hmm. but then you'll have female teams coming in to play uh at the uh, at the uh, grand slam events um so that's when you know that's when the uh, the, the health protocols really kick into place and and i think what's what's you know what's really challenging is that the the federal government's approval on this national exemption um really really takes right up until the last minute to get approval from them on because they're waiting till the latest possible point to give approval, so that if there are if there are major health challenges, that they could they could stop it from happening. But what that does for anybody who's hosting, trying to host a major event with international athletes, is that 
if you have to wait till two or three weeks before your event to get final approval, imagine how much how much money and how much risk you're taking on that your event could be stopped at the last minute. And so certainly there aren't that many organizations across the country that that have the ability to absorb that kind of risk to be able to put an event on. Yeah, I think that Alicia and I know a little bit about that too. We've been traveling with our respective sports as well under exemptions and um, things can change on a dime for sure. So my question is, did you guys have to bid, to bid against other cities or was Curling Canada keen on Calgary from the get-go? So uh, yeah, it's a good question. We had, we had a, there were, from, from what I understand, there was a couple of other uh, locations across the country that, that uh, Curling Canada was looking at. Um, I think what what uh, what was a real advantage for Calgary is that uh, uh, we've got an excellent partner at Windsport that that was prepared to step up and 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 use the Mark and McPhail Center and, and because they have an Olympic size ice there um, even allows them to spread their four sheets out a little bit further uh, from a distancing perspective. Um, the venue is is ready made for television, which is good for TSN and, and Sportsnet, who are broadcasting all of these events. So the building, I think, was a big advantage for us, and certainly um, we made a we made a, a good investment uh, to support uh, Curling Canada being able to put this on as well. <laughs> I was muted there for a second. Um, that's amazing. So uh, that's awesome that you guys were able to to put in the bid, and I can't even imagine the things that are going through that in order to make this happen. Actually, I can't. As a person who just got back from traveling internationally and just seeing. You know, Canada does have some of the strictest restrictions um, of the world right now. We we really do, and we really have made it very clear that we are not making exemptions for athletes. So to be able to pull an event, not just an event, but events at this this size is just my hats off to you. I can't even imagine the stress that it, that it's taken, and and with the, the ever changing system. So congratulations for that. To at least get something in this year that this city can be proud of and celebrate to to have sport back and. Um, yeah, uh, let's go back a little bit pre COVID times and mm-hmm. talk about some of the other big events here. So you mentioned the, the big ones before, uh, COVID even hit were the country yeah. music awards and great cup. Yeah. What, how much time are you guys putting in before in, in order to bid on being the city? Um, how big is, is your team in order to try and, and make these events happen? Um, good question. So we, we've got a, our team at, at Tourism Calgary on the sports side is six people, mm-hmm. and um, we have a not a lot. <laughs> okay, we have a, we have a group that that um, for for these major events you need to work oftentimes you know quite a quite a few years in advance uh, to try and secure them. Now you know COVID has COVID has kind of thrown some of these these timings uh, out out of whack because. What's what's happened is you're seeing an event, and and I can use the curling as an example. We're hosting the Briars and the Scotties, but of course they were scheduled to be somewhere else this year. And so, so now what Curling Canada is having to figure out is instead of booking next year, are they going to replace that one community that had already been on it, or are they backing everybody up? So, what you're seeing right now in in the world space is organizations figuring out. Are they going to be able to operate this year? And once they figure that out, then they'll start to place future years with with different locations. So we're in the midst, actually, of of doing a lot of work to plan out our our future calendar uh, and waiting for organizations to determine 
if they're ready to start making decisions. But I would say for for some of the large events, um, they would be planning, you know, they would be planning out uh, many years in advance. I think a, a very good example um, would be the World Juniors, for example, on the hockey side, where where they have, you know, it's in Canada every second year, but our next bidding opportunity might not be till till uh, 2026, for example. So those are, you know, there are certain events you know that would be great for your market, um, time of year where there's very little visitation going on and very little travel. Um, it's one that, that drives significant economic impact at a slow period, so it's very desirable. But that one's, you know, we're looking out five years. There's a there's a North American Irish dance competition um, where it's on a seven year rotation to different to, to different uh, sections of North America. So we're bidding on that one for 2027, I think it is. So some of them are way out ahead of us. And at the same time, uh, we have a team that's focused on trying to focus on domestic events that we can bring here uh, this fall or as early as this fall or early in 2022, because any event that we can bring to this market is going to help our hoteliers and our, and our tourism industry rebound from uh, a, a pandemic that's absolutely been devastating to our industry. I bet. I think it's just one of those times where it's like, are we going to have to try and push and try and get every single event that we can for the next couple of years and try and recuperate some of those costs? And I'm sure a lot of other big cities are thinking about trying to do that as well. I think it'll be very competitive to try and try and win events. Um, you know, it'll be a question. What'll be interesting is, you know, which which markets have um, resources to be able to go after an events and which don't, because depends on how your structure is set up. A lot of markets have their funding that they use to go after events tied to hotel revenues. Mm-hmm. And that's how that that's how the model works. And of course, hotel revenues in most of Canada have virtually disappeared in the last year. So of course, it's the market, it's it's Alberta, at least, I think your point from an international perspective that that Canada is not really seen as an open country to to be hosting anything. And I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, certainly we, we were um, uh, we looked at a few other events and, and the process drove away some others that just couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't have the, the stomach to go through it all. Uh, but at least within Canada, Alberta is seen as because we've hosted the World Juniors, the NHL bubble, and now the curling bubble. Alberta is seen as as one of the provinces that is more progressive in terms of wanting to host. So we're hoping that when events start to come back domestically, that they'll look to Alberta first. Well, let's hope so because I love hosting them. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, Grace, did you have something? Sorry, I thought I cut you off there. No, well, yeah, I do have a question. We're all over the place here, but um, my question is really about the financial impact that hosting these curling events is having. Like, um, I guess, have you? How are you guys going to measure it in the future and prove, maybe, to the rest of Albertans that we should invest more in this industry? It's a really good question. So, so um, I would say probably about about a uh, year and a half ago or so. Um, we signed on to uh, to a tool um, called the uh, Destinations International Event Impact Calculator, and it is a. It used to be that if you if you needed an economic analysis done, there was quite an extensive um, model that had to be done with people doing interviewing and those kinds of things. Um, but now there's a, there's an online tool that's signed on to by hundreds of destination marketing organizations like Tourism Calgary between, across North America. 
And the back end of this system um, allows all the data from all these events across North America to be fed into it, and it brings out its algorithm. So if your if your uh, market signs on, they put in your you know your tax rate, some of your cost structures for different things. So you put in a number of these inputs, and what it will do is we'll kick up and tell you exactly what the overall economic impact of that event is for your uh, for your market. So that helps us evaluate events to determine. You know how much would we invest to bring something here based on what kind of return we're going to get for the market and it tells estimates on how much will be spent on lodging and transportation and retail and it also calculates the sort of level of of um, taxes that will be paid in the market as a result of that event uh, coming to your uh, to your area so the alberta government uses the exact same tool as we do i know edmonton uses the same tool so when we apply to the government for any support on major projects we're looking at the same data uh, to determine whether it makes sense for uh, for Calgary. Now, how long has this tool been around for? Sounds really interesting. Um, I'm not I'm not sure how long. I know that Edmonton started using it before we did. Um, yeah. But but certainly, uh, I I get see more and more markets using this tool um, because it's a it's a very solid way to be able to explain back to your question, Grace, and explain to to different levels of government or potentially different sponsors, what kind of impact something's having in their local community. And uh, so we're able to, you know, very, you know, in, in 2019, we had, you know, 60, 67 events that generated 150 million in economic impact. Now we had two major, major events with the Grey Cup and, and, uh, and with CCMAs, but it allows us to very, very definitively tell everybody the kind of activity our group's having and, and, that uh, that gets uh, you know allows you to sort of justify why this is a good investment on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and my curiosity for that just stems from um, you know the bidco when we were trying to before we had the the plebiscite of if we whether or not we were going to have uh, the the Olympics and whether or not that'd be a good idea. Was this something that was used at that time? I certainly think they had some different modeling. Um, was I, I you know I I joined. Uh, Tourism Calgary just probably about a month, just after month, that, right? Yeah, just before the uh, just before the uh, plebiscite took place, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I, I think I think it's an unfortunate you know outcome personally because um, I know I know the impact that uh, that those that those resources and the infrastructure that takes place, and I don't need to tell you guys that has 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 come to the end of its life. We know what's happened in the sliding track. The oval, the oval has not been in use this year because it's also infrastructure is breaking down. And, you know, these are national assets that are, are training our athletes to be the best in the world and, and we need to reinvest in them. I think on the flip side to that is, you know, for 30 years, 30 plus years, those those assets also allowed us to bring international world competitions to Calgary and kept paying off back on, on the investment that was made. So, you know, I believe that there's some work being done to, to try and um, to try and see if we can uh, can deal with those issues. And I hope it happens uh, in the long run, because, you know, unfortunately, the, the whole Olympic debate became less about how, how good the economics were and more about the politics. And uh, unfortunately, I think it was 15 straight uh, plebiscites in a row around the world all failed because um, the easiest thing to do is always say no. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. And, and just, <laughs> you don't have to tell us twice, but just so, so many things about that were just done so poorly. And, and I, I would absolutely agree that it literally did not come down to people weighing the options of yes or no. It just became uh, like, we just don't want to say yes to certain political aspects of it. It was just, yeah, you're right. Um, another one I want to bring up that might be a touchy subject is the X games. Did you have any say in that one and and what kind of happened there? So, so, uh, it was, it was certainly our, our group that was working with the proponents, um, of the X games. Um, what I would tell you in the, in the, uh, in the first sort of efforts that, that we, that we took it at, we did get the, the, uh, provincial government at the time to support it, there was still a significant amount of work that needed to be done by the proponents of that to secure sponsorship dollars so that there was enough in the budget to be able to make the event happen. So at the end of the day, um, the sponsorship dollars didn't line up and then timing wise, um, the, you know, the run, ran out of runway time and then, you know, the provincial government changed and they wanted to re relook at the investment. I mean, in, in hindsight, with what's happened with the pandemic, um, it would have been, you know, would have been a, you know, potentially a big challenge. We haven't lost sight of the opportunity to look for a major winter event um, that we want to see in Calgary. Um, and we're still working on that. So uh, I don't have any, you know, I'd love to be able to break some super exciting news on your podcast. I, I don't have any, but, but we haven't lost sight of it. Uh, we haven't lost sight of it, and it is certainly something that that we are continuing to look at and pursue to the market. Yeah, that's great. I think that um, all these small events—I mean, I say small—but in comparison, when we talk about the Olympics, these are obviously smaller events that and then bid for the games again. That would be my hope. Um, <laughs> whether that actually happens or not, who knows? But um, we'll have to see. I guess I had a question kind of about um more on your personal side so are you involved with any sports right now um and kind of like why what about your role in sport how have you gotten to this point i guess we've talked a lot about the last few years but let's rewind a little bit <laughs> yeah um you know I, i've in, in my career um i worked in media for 13 years um at at uh, sun media group so I had a number of different jobs at, at Sun Media in, in marketing and sales. So um, I had 13 years of working with um, the major sport franchises, um, cutting all the marketing and promotional deals with, you know, the Flames and, and Stamps and Eskimos and Oilers and those types of groups. But also being in a promotional role at, uh, at the paper, I also worked with uh, the Sun being a heavily sport-focused paper, um, we had promotional deals with, you know, with the Oval and many of the Olympic sports, et cetera, as well. So I, I got sports into my uh, into my blood back then, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I personally participated in a number of sport myself. So my next part of my career, I went to Atco and I ran the marketing communications for Atco and another company that has invested heavily in in sport over the years. So I always had it in my blood, and and certainly uh, I was a soccer coach for years, and I've got. I've got two of my daughters playing NCAA Div One sports right now. Oh, which ones? Uh, my eldest, my eldest plays golf uh, for the University of Minnesota. Oh wow! And then, and then my middle one is playing tennis at uh, Binghamton University. Which congratulations, is athletic family! That's amazing. Good for them. So, so I've I've been you know um, I'm you know I love. Uh, 
I've always loved sport. And so the opportunity to, to, to make a move to, to come to this group and, and work in a team where um, you have the ability to help, you know, help build the sport infrastructure and events that, that, that will help the city, but also help grow sport in general um, was something that, you know, seemed like a great opportunity at this point in my career and something that uh, I really wanted to undertake. And so I'm, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the board of the Blizzard Soccer Club as well. And, and so you kind of just get involved in, in, in areas where you've got some passion. And, and uh, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, and uh, now that my kids are getting a little older, um, you know, you have to find some other ways to get involved. So, uh, yeah. and I'm a curler. So I, I, you know, I was curling four days a week before they shut everything down. So this winter has been pretty boring. Oh, shoot. Well, does that mean you personally get to, did you, were you one of the people that got to be at the Scotties by any means? Like, were you, were you behind the scenes, behind a curtain somewhere, behind plexiglass? No, no, no not in the building. You have some volunteers that go in because, because, and, and if you're a curling fan, you see it where they have the, the percentages, you know, somebody's curling 83% this week. Well, they have some really uh, experienced curlers that judge whether or not somebody delivered the shot they asked and measure them and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm not that good at curling. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Um, but I do love the sport. I only took it up six years ago, and now I want to all winter long. I play, you know, like I said, four days a week. So, Oh, that's it's awesome. Never, it's never too late to start a new sport. No, definitely not. Canada, Canada's passion right there. Um, and then, so I guess another question, um, just back to this curling thing is, um, when you guys are preparing the economic impact for these events, so like, obviously in the future, it's like, okay, how's this going to affect our hotels, the travel in and out of the city? That's the kind of thing that we're looking at. But like for this event in particular, that there's no one in the fans, um, and I'd assume like selling tickets to fans of, as we've seen it's with all the pro sports and the owners, maybe like not wanting to pay full salaries because, you know, that's where a majority of the revenue comes from. So like what, what percentage, um, would you say of, of revenue are you guys recuperating on hosting an event, um, that has no fans versus, you know, if this was a, a, a true Scotties and you could pack a stadium. Yeah, it, it's a great question. I, I would say that the business model for, you know, for Curling Canada evaluating this this year was really, was really not a mission on on how it could make money, but more how it could come closer to breaking even and still be able to provide a competitive opportunity for its athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're in a fortunate position because they've done such a good job of building their brand. So because they have the broadcast element associated with with their major events and they have title sponsors related to those major events. Um, they, they, they have a, you know, a revenue model that if they could get some investment from the local host committee and some investment, you know, uh, from, from sport Canada being an Olympic sport, they could figure out a way to, to make this happen at a, at a, you know, not a lot if they're making money, but, but allowing them to at least try and break even and allow their sport to happen. So, I give them huge credit because there's certainly a number of sport organizations that just some took on, you know, tried to put some events on and took financial, you know, took a financial hit because they couldn't make it happen. Yeah, um, for sure. And and others that, that just couldn't, couldn't get there on the model. So the fact that the curlers have been able to get this, you know, get this practice in and, and you know, we're only a year out from the winter Olympics, as you would know very well. So mm-hmm. you know, to miss, to miss, you know, miss another year where they wouldn't be able to compete at a high level to get ready for next year 
would have mm -hmm. been a real challenge. So um, huge credit to, to their team because um, they, they huge diligence to learn how to operate that event. And, you know, if I hope the next five weeks go as well as this past week, because all of the things I read online and all the interviews that the, the curlers were just thrilled to get the chance to, to compete again and, and get their reps in. Uh, I think, I think there was a great shot online of Carrie Anderson and her team practicing on Lake Winnipeg. Yeah. And that's where, that's where they were going to try and get their training in. Right. Can't even imagine how cold that was Lake Winnipeg in January in Manitoba. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just a cold snap. That would just be miserable. Actually, I did see that Rachel Holman was doing the same thing to her. I think between her and her husband, they they like iced out an area across the street from their front, front lawn so she could practice. Yeah, just yeah. it's crazy the things that we as Canadians have to we as Canadian athletes, let's just say, have to go through to try and just stay even close to the top of our game. Yeah. Um, exactly. And another question, just building on that one I have is um, so you mentioned before how you guys are already bidding for events like seven years down the line from here or whatever. Um, have you found that the events that are available that should be happening, you know, in 2022 um, maybe aren't like going forward yet? Cause there are how far in advance are people confident enough to, to start booking events for like, or, you know what it's, it is, it is literally an issue we're dealing with day to day uh, mm -hmm. on both our, both our sports side and on our meeting side is, when do people feel confident enough based on what's going on with the pandemic, uh, what's happening with vaccinations, the rules that are changing, um, that they can feel comfortable confirming, you know, a market so that they can move things forward. And, and some of them are dealing with immediate term issues, right? They're trying to figure out if they can get something in this year, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, without worrying about future years. And, and I think what you're seeing right now is, is the health protocols are really um, still right now being determined. Uh, you know, I read this morning, for example, that the, the cruise industry, there's different cruise companies are going to require you to show up if you want to go on their boats, proving that you've had a vaccination. So uh -huh. is that going to be a new standard for how an event gets run? You know, we're looking at things like, you know, the, the Stampeders this summer. What What's the spacing requirements? How many people could they potentially have in the stands? Um, if you wanted, a, you know, the Shot Charity Classic to happen this summer and you have U.S. players coming, if they show up at the border with their vaccination card, does that mean they can come into the country and compete? All of these things are question marks right now, which are making it very difficult for organizers to decide whether to move forward. And, and you know, they need to decide months ahead because there's so much work and expense to go into trying to put these things on. So I don't envy the, the, the event organizers right now because there's so much uncertainty and it's still very, very fluid and it's early, early stages still. All right. Well, um, I guess my one last question I have written down is for Sport Calgary to take on an event, um, what, what would be too small? Like what kind of, um, return would the city have to see for them to like actually consider an event? Like how are we talking like hundred, like maybe 200 people or is it 2000 people or what, what kind of thing are we talking about? Yeah, it, it's a good question. So, so, you know, at tourism Calgary, we take, we take input from events that are, that are quite small. They would be regional in their nature. 
um, and and would you know could could have as few as you know could have as few as as maybe a hundred people that would be coming to the market up to something that's incredibly large. But yeah. but we look at all of those elements. Really, it's it's evaluating how many people are going to come in from outside Calgary into the market, and are they going to bring bring uh, new dollars that invest in our hotels and our restaurants and and our retail and um, that the amount that we support them is really commensurate with how much economic impact they're going to have on the market. So uh, could be could be from small to quite large. Awesome, good to know. Awesome. Grace, you got anything else? <laughs> um, no, I just want to say thank thank you so much for willing to chat all things events and curling and everything else. It's I've learned a lot about how these things are measured and, you know, you normally see the numbers come across like X event will bring X amount of dollars, but to actually learn the thought behind it is really, really interesting. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, happy, happy to be on today. And um, if you guys need anything in the future, don't hesitate to ask and best of luck. Are you guys done your season? Uh, I'm in day 19 out of 21 of quarantine. So I leave tomorrow to go join Grace in Whistler um we'll close out the last three weeks of uh training our competitive season is over though okay well best best of luck in your off season and i hope by the time you start training in the fall that it will seem a lot more normal yeah fingers crossed to that here's to hoping that uh you know borders are open and and we can get back to having the events that mean so much to our city so thank you so much for joining us carson and we'll talk to you soon very nice to meet you Canadian Pacific was founded in 1881 and was formed to physically unite Canada and Canadians from coast to coast. Today, CP is a transcontinental railway in North America, providing rail services to key markets in every corner of the globe. Giving back to the communities they operate through is important for CP. Since 2014, their focus has been on cardiac health. Through their CP Has Heart program, CP has helped raise over $23.3 million for cardiac causes across North America. Physical activity is very important to heart health. CP is proud to sponsor Goals for Kids with the Calgary Flames, a program which benefits minor hockey, Calgary, and kids sport. For each home goal by the Flames, CP donates $500. Since 2007, CP has donated over $215,000 to kids sport. CP would like to remind everyone listening that February is Heart Month and encourage everyone to stay active, eat healthy, and have fun. Check out Sport Calgary's This Week in Sport for the latest news and updates in Calgary's sports community.